Hello. Good to be here. Good to be together. Tonight we're in chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. But we will back up when I read here. We'll back up into Colossians 1, verse 26. We'll read the 2-1. The reason I'm doing this is because they all tie in. And we also have to remember that, that this is a letter. If the original letter had no chapters. So this is a letter to be... And the thought can continue from one chapter to another. And it does in this instance really well. So let's go up to verse 26. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach. We don't preach anyone else but Christ. We only preach him. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. For I would that you know, so it's connected, connected to 29, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. For I would that ye know, knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. So this week's verse ties right into verse 28 and 29. 28 and 29. Now one will not have love for the brethren unless they're in Christ. One will not have love for the brethren unless they're in Christ. And we, All we need to know that's true is to look back at how we were before the Lord saved us. We did not love the brethren. But after the Lord saves us, we love the brethren. And we, we, we who have been saved by the grace of God in Christ. So verse 28, let's go back there again. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now Paul said, we preach, we warn, and we teach every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. He used the word we to signify gospel preachers, to signify gospel pastors, people who are preaching and proclaiming the gospel of God's free grace, those who are ordained of God to preach his gospel. And he said, we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. It is obvious that Paul was referring to a limited number, not everyone, not everyone in the world. No but the church of God, God's elect. A particular people. A particular people. Because he was writing to the church at Coas. And only those who are in Christ Jesus were perfected forever by the sacrifice of Christ. Only those in Christ Jesus. Only the offering, the offering of the body of Christ was only for his people. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. All those who are taught of God, those whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Only they know through the wisdom of God that has been given to us that perfection can only be for those who are made perfect in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we are still sinners while we're in this world. While we're in this world. But look at this, Hebrews 10:14. For by one offering, one, just one sacrifice, him, Himself, Christ, He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So let's go back to verse 29 in Colossians chapter 1. It says, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to His working which worketh in me mightily. Notice here the strength did not come from Paul. Not at all. 
We can do nothing in our own strength when it comes to the Gospel and laboring for the Lord. Oh, we must be strengthened by the Holy Spirit of God or it's all for naught. It's all for naught. Now, before we get into our verses, let's look at this. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to His working, which worketh in me, worketh in me mightily. Turn to 1 John 5.20. These two verses, 28 and 29, tie in with 1 John 5.20. Because you must have an understanding of who Christ is. There be no love for the brethren unless you're born again. Unless you're born again. You may think, you may think the brethren are fine folks. But we know we're just sinners saved by grace. But you won't, you won't really have a love for them until, until, um, oh, until God redeems your soul. Look at this, 1 John 5.20. And we know. Now, believers know something. They know something. But they've been taught something. We know that the Son of God has come and, look at, and hath given us an understanding. We had no understanding until He gave it to us. Until He gave it to us that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Oh my. That is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God. All other gods are false. All of them. Everyone. Except for Jesus Christ. He is the true God. And eternal life. There's only eternal life in Him. Anyone else outside of Christ who's trusting in anything else is perishing in their sins. If they step into eternity. If they die and step into eternity, they perish in their sins. Outside of Christ. There's only eternal life in Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. There's nowhere else. So He's the key to understanding Paul's love for the brethren. Christ. He's the key. Christ is the key. He's the key to all the Scriptures. He's the key. Without this, without Christ, everything's just window dressing for sinners. Just empty, hollow words. Just empty, hollow words. Scripture says there, we know, we know. The believer in Christ knows something because they've been given an understanding, as I said. The understanding of the mystery spoken of in Colossians chapter 1. Made manifest to his saints. Made manifest given an understanding. Oh, it's amazing. Like Brother Tim Tim said, it's amazing grace. From beginning to end. From beginning to end. It is absolutely amazing that God would reveal Himself to sinners. Oh my. So the mystery, the mystery in Colossians, spoken of in Colossians, being revealed to the believer. God the Holy Spirit has given the believer in Christ an understanding of who Christ is. Think of this. You who believe, you have an understanding now of who Christ is. You didn't before, did you? We may have been religious. We may have thought we knew who He was. But oh, when He revealed Himself, we're given an understanding of who He is and of what we are. And of who we need. Of who we need. We need Christ desperately. Desperately we need Him. So he, he gives us an understanding. He gives us an understanding about him as substitute. That he's the sinner's substitute. I didn't understand that before the Lord revealed it. I didn't understand that his law must be satisfied. Did you? I had no idea. 
until he revealed it. Until he revealed it. And then we tremble before the law of God. And then we look to the substitute. We look to the one who fulfilled that law and took that wrath in our place. Oh, my. We've been given an understanding, beloved. We've been given an understanding. The Lord Jesus Christ is a substitute of his people on Calvary's cross. And in him, we have eternal life. It's nowhere else. It's nowhere else. Folks are trying out that, out in this world. Folks are trying. They're trying and they're trying and they're trying. And they're gonna, if they keep trusting in themselves, they're going to perish in their sins. But the believer who trusts in Christ, oh, in him is eternal life. In Christ and in him alone. We have cast all our works aside. God incarnate in the flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ also acknowledges that. That Christ is God. Did, did we know that he was God in the flesh before he gave us an understanding? I didn't know. Now I rejoice. God, the almighty God incarnate in the flesh. The creator, when he spoke everything into existence, was my substitute. Oh my. My, why was it necessary that Christ come and die upon the cross? Because God is holy. Because God is holy. He's so holy. And we are sinful. We are so sinful. And in order for God to bring us to where He is, in order for God to bring us to where He is, He has to do it in a way consistent with His holiness, and consistent with His justice, and consistent with His righteousness. And Christ is the only way. He's the only way. There's no other way. God's love, it's all in Christ. It's all in Christ. God's grace, it's all in Christ. Nowhere else. It's nowhere else outside. God's mercy, it's all in Christ. No wonder Paul penned that all spiritual blessings are in Christ. All. Nowhere else. Absolutely nowhere else. And the believer acknowledges this, don't we? We acknowledge this. We've been given, sister, you've been given an understanding that you didn't have. And you sister, we, and we, and we marvel in this. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. We didn't know. We didn't know before. And we've been given an understanding of who Christ is. Of who Christ is. And we acknowledge these precious truths. We acknowledge them. Because we've been taught them. We've been given an understanding. They've been revealed to, revealed to us. It was a mystery. It's been made manifest to the saints. And it's only for those who rest and trust in Christ. And, and, and we don't just publicly rest in Christ, do we? We privately rest in Christ, too. All the time. All the time we rest and trust in Christ alone. It's a life lived resting and trusting in our Savior. In our Savior. And, and it's only in Him. And it's only because of what He has done that we have eternal life. And it's only because of Him that we love the brethren. It's incredible. And the love is shed abroad in our hearts. It's incredible. Now, Paul here declares his affection for the saints at Colossians. And we know, we know 
that he felt like that about all believers. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. He was daily praying for the churches. Daily. And turn, and put your finger in Acts too, I'm sorry. Acts chapter 22 and 2 Corinthians 11, 28. Now let us mark how grace changes a man or a woman. Grace changes men and women. Changes us completely. Because let us mark this. This was the same man who persecuted the church. This is the same man who wasted the church. Acts 22 says this, and I persecuted this way. This way. I persecuted this way. Acts 22, verse 4 and 5. And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Is also the high priest that bear me witness in all the estate of the elders, from whom I also, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem, for to be punished. He persecuted the way unto death. Binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Mark this, 2 Corinthians 11.28. I, I went to Acts first. <laughs> but look at this in Acts. Acts, I mean, 2 Corinthians 11.28. I'm sorry. Look at this. What a change that grace rots in a man or a woman. Look at this. Beside those things which, or beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Paul prays for the churches daily. The very ones he persecuted. The very churches he wasted. Now, now, daily, the care of all the churches comes before him. He's a new creature in Christ, beloved. He's a new creature in Christ. This is not a reformation wrought by man. This is not a moralistic reformation where he says, well, I'm going to stop doing these things and, 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 and you know, I'm going to be a better person now. And uh, I'm going to have my checklist and I'm going to follow that. No, this is not what this is. This is the work of God, the Holy Spirit. This is the work of God, the Holy Spirit. Paul is regenerated, born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And now he loves and cherishes the very people who he once persecuted. Only God can work a change like that. Only God, by his power, can work a change like that. Only God. Galatians says this, For ye have heard of my conversations in times past in the Jewish religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. We saw that in Acts 22. And profited in the Jewish religion above many mine equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son Remember? Given an understanding. Born again. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Only God can wrought a change like this. Oh my. The Apostle Paul proved himself to be a dedicated, brave, courageous warrior for Christ. Oh, he's in the army of the living God. 
And he dealt with the enemies of Christ face to face. Face to face. He didn't back down. He didn't back down. He also showed the love that was in his heart for the saints by his love and concern for them. And he expressed that love for them in the beginning of this chapter. So let's look at tonight's verse in light of this. But we'll read it in the context of verse 28 to to verse 3 in chapter 2. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, strive, and according to his working, by his power, which worketh in me mightily, for I would that you know what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. That their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of the understanding to the acknowledgement understanding of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So let us remember that this is a continuation from from chapter 1, Paul's as I said, Paul's writing the letter. There's no chapters in the letter that he was writing. It's all one thought coming through. And so we see a direct connection in thought here. Paul wants them to know what great conflict he has for them. For the saints at Colossus and for the churches of God. Look at this. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now the apostle wanted the saints in Colossians to know what great concern he had for them. And he had a great concern for God's people. For believers everywhere. Even though he had never met them personally. Paul labored and strived in the gospel according to the to divine power in him. In him. He did not do this of his own strength. And he proclaimed, he proclaimed that it was Christ in him who worked mightily, mightily, and gave him this burden for the Colossians. If God had not wrought a mighty work in him, if he had not been born again, he'd still be persecuting the church, right? Until the day he died. But oh, now, now he loves those he once persecuted. And he carried that, that, look at, Colossians 1, 4, 8. I won't read it. I won't read it, but I'll just point you there. Paul had not met the Colossians Christians, but he heard of their faith and hope. Look at Colossians 1, 4, and 8 for further reference. And he desired their good. And he had continual care for them in his heart. And he carried that care to God in prayer. Look at verse 9. For this cause we do also since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. There it is again, spiritual understanding. See, we have no understanding unless God reveals it to us. Oh, and this is the prayer of every preacher. Oh, Lord, give us understanding. Give us all understanding. Your sheep, reveal yourself to us. So he carried that care to God in prayer. We saw that in verse 9. And he bore them in loving remembrance. Spurgeon said this about Paul and about this verse in chapter 2, verse 1, he said um, with Paul about the churches of God, they were always on his heart as a sick child is, is ever on the heart of its mother. Oh, he just prayed for them. He prayed for them. Look at our text. It says, 
for I would that ye knew. For I would that ye knew. Now, one commentator said this, Little do most men know what continuous care and pains faithful ministers take for their, for their soul's health, for the, for the health, the soul's health, health of the sheep that, are, that, that they're placed to pastor. Oh, we pray for you. I know Jim did, and I do too. We, we desire that you grow spiritually, that you grow in Christ, in the, in the knowledge and truth of Him, of Him. For I would that you knew. Now, let's do a little, we'll go through a couple verses. Paul uses, one commentator said that, William Hendrickson actually said this, that, that he uses this, these phrases when he's stressing the subject. And he uses this, for I would that you knew. And, and then he uses similar verbiage in other verses. Turn to Philippians 1, verses 12 to 4. And Romans chapter 1. And then we'll go from Romans chapter 1 and we'll go in the order. And, and we'll see how Paul uses these, these phrases to emphasize, to stress certain subjects that he's going to speak about. So keep in mind, for I would that you knew. He's stressing this. He, 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 he desires for them to know the conflict that he has. The burden that he has for them. Philippians 1, verses 12 to 14. But I would you should understand. There's one type of phrase. Same kind of phrase. Same kind of emphasis. Brethren, that the things which happened unto me have have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel, so that in my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all other places. And many of the brethren of the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul's using this for emphasis when he's stressing the subject. Go to Romans chapter 1. Now he uses a different phrase here, and we'll see it repeated multiple times. But again, William Hendrickson said he's, he's using this to stress Stress the topic that he's about to, that he's about to embark upon. Romans one thirteen. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren. Again, he's stressing this that oftentimes I proposed to come unto you, but was let hither, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Turn to Romans chapter eleven, where we'll see Paul do this again. And he's stressing this again. And this is good for us when we're reading Scripture to be aware of these things where Paul's, he's stressing. He's stressing what he's going to talk about. He's prefacing it for us. Romans 11.25 For I would not, brethren, again, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Now turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And then put your finger in 1 Thessalonians 4. And that will be the last one we'll look at. But we see how he's, he's emphasizing. He's using these phrases to emphasize. And this is all by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's incredible. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1. And so keep in mind what our text says. For I would that you knew. So again, the emphasize, he's emphasizing again. 1 Corinthians 10.1 Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were, 
under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Again, I would not that ye should be ignorant. Again, he's, he's stressing that again. And then over in First Thess 4.13, same phrase again. And let us remember too, that he's, going, he's about to embark into, in, in, in Colossians, he's, he's got his war paint on. He's ready to go. He's, we're going to see in this next chapter that he, he just expounds upon Christ even more so. That it's incredible. He's going, to, he's going to hit this heresy head on again. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Again, he's emphasizing it again. Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So Paul regards the heresy. Now let's go back to Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul regards the heresy which sprung up in Colossians as a very serious danger because it's mixing, it's mixing, beloved, works with grace. It's mixing, and grace and works do not mix. Not at all. It's either 100% grace or it's works. And that's it. There's nothing to be added to it. You put a drop a drop of works into a well and you polluted the whole well of grace. For I would that you knew. For I would that you knew. What great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now, let's note Paul's concern for the church at Colossus and the church at Laodicea. He was concerned that this heresy may spread nearby churches. And Paul tells them that he has struggled in his innermost being, praying for them, striving in the gospel, laboring in the gospel for them. And note the verbiage, for you. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you. This would be the membership of the church. Those who are born again. And for them at Laodicea, this being the church in Laodicea. The ecclesia, the called, out, the called out assembly. And Paul continues, For as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, this is the brethren which he has not met in person. And here we see Paul's heart. Remember, this is the one who, who, who told us he wasted the church. He took people, bound them up. Now we see, we see the heart that Paul has for God's people. We see it. It's not just words. It's faith in action, isn't it? It's incredible. It's not just lip service. Oh, we see Paul's heart for the people of God opened up by inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he speaks of those he's never seen. Never seen face to face. The clock now... Now, why did Paul have this love for the Colossian believers? Because they were of Christ's flock. They were sheep of God. Sheep of God. And Paul loved them. He loved them. I ask you, who being redeemed by Christ, is it not so of Christ Himself to us? You and I have never seen Christ in the flesh. But, can we not say along with Peter, whom heaven not seen, you love? 
in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Rejoice, we're receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Oh my. So Paul here prays for the church at Colossus and at Laodicea, which was about a dozen miles, the commentators were saying, about a dozen miles. That's a long way to walk <laughs> when you're walking. A dozen miles from Colossus, and he lifts them up to Christ. And as I said, let us remember to contrast this with Paul who persecuted the church. Now he loves the brethren. Now he loves them. He loves them. He's a new creature in Christ, born again of the Holy Spirit of God. And the new heart that God had given him moved Paul to offer up earnest, sincere prayer for God's children. The word conflict means to endeavor to accomplish something. For I know what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. The word conflict means to endeavor to accomplish something, to strive, to fight, to labor fervently. Paul loved God's people and he wanted the saints of God to know that he was earnestly and sincerely praying for them. As I said, it was not just words. It flowed from a redeemed heart. From a redeemed heart. Born again by the Holy Spirit of God to those who also had been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, greater love hath no man than this say. And, we, and, 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 and the love that we have for the brethren, the love that we have for Christ, is nothing compared to the love that Christ has for his people. Where did this love come from? Where did this love come from that Paul had for the, the people of God? Where did the love we have for the brethren come from? Oh, We who have been redeemed proclaim it comes from Christ. It comes from the Holy Spirit of God working in us as he does for every single believer. New creatures in Christ, the believer is. We have a new heart. Turn, if you would, to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. We have a new heart, a new nature, a new love for the brethren which we never, ever had before and we can't muster it up. It must, it must be God working in us mightily. It must be. I was, I was talking to Sister Ruth and I had been talking to Norm and I shared that with you about the, about the vine and the branches and Norm and I were talking yesterday and Norm said, there is no fruit on the branches unless it's in the vine. Everything comes from the vine. We're just attached. All the fruit comes from that vine. It all comes up and through and out. And there's the fruit. And we see that in Colossians 1.29, don't we? God working mightily in us. In us. 
sinners. Saved, redeemed sinners. It's incredible. It's absolutely, absolutely incredible. Look at Ezekiel 36, verse 26 to 28. A new heart also will I give you. God gives His people a new heart. Not a physical new heart. Oh, but a heart that seeks Him. A heart, beloved, that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. He never had that before. Oh my. A new heart. A new heart. And a new spirit will I put within you. You see how religion's got it backwards? <laughs> and I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you. And, and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And ye, I, I love this, and ye shall be my people. This is God speaking. Ye shall be. What confidence for, for, for proclaiming the gospel. God shall get his people. He shall redeem his sheep. Every one of them. Ye shall be my people, and I and I will be your God. I ask you, beloved, you who trust and rest in Christ, is He not your God? Is He not your everything? So this love for the brethren that Paul has, when he says, "For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have." have not seen my face in the flesh. This isn't something he could muster up on his own. We can't make it stronger on our own. God must cause it to grow. And as we contemplate, as we contemplate what Christ has redeemed us from, all of our sins, all of them, there's not one left out for the believer. They're forgiven, redeemed from all our sin. And as we think on our brothers and sisters in Christ who are just like us, redeemed by the same blood, redeemed by the same Savior, purchased, purchased, same Father, same God who chose us in eternity, same Holy Spirit within us, Oh, when we think on these things, it will make us grateful for one another. It will make us grateful for one another as we quickly realize we are all taken from the same lump. Every one of us. Taken out of the same pit. You're mine. Oh, my. Ye shall be my people and I will be your God. My goodness. And this love that Paul has for the brethren, it's not lip service. You'll find that in religion. You don't find that in grace. No, this is real, true love that Paul has for the brethren.
And Paul prayed for those who he was acquainted with. And he prayed with, for those who he was not acquainted with. And he prayed and he loved the brethren. Prayed for and loved the brethren. And God's people, we bear one another's burdens, don't we? When we hear one of us is hurting, we hurt with them. We cry with them. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6, 2. We bear one another's frailties. We bear one another's infirmities. We bear one another's weakness. And we all have them. Right? We all have them, don't we? Every one of us. Every one of us. We don't desert the brethren. We don't withdraw fellowship. We don't condemn them. Bear ye one another's burdens. Turn, if you would, to John 13. Look at this. Oh, love beareth all things, beloved. We, we do not withdraw our fellowship and condemn them. We bear these burdens by comforting the brethren, sympathizing with them, forgiving one another in genuine mercy. And in doing so, we fulfill the royal law of Christ. Look at this, John 13, verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you. And remember this, we who are redeemed. God loved us before we ever loved Him. My, oh my. But He did, eh? He did. Oh my. That ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If ye have love one to another. And last week, beloved, we had this, we had an example of this in our church body. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Love in action. Love in action. Not just in words. And I'll tell you, being your pastor, it was a great, great joy to see. It was incredible. And I know it's the grace of God working in us. And I rejoice. And I know you all been doing it for a long time. And I had heard about it. I had heard about you from many preachers before I even came. And I'll tell you, it is an honor and a privilege to be your pastor. It really is. Now the Apostle Paul's writing this under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit. And it was he who, he is the one who placed this loving concern for the brethren within Paul's heart. It's him. He does it for all those who've been redeemed by Christ. The loving concern that Paul had for the brethren was from God Himself. And He has, God has the same concern for all the saints. We're His people. We're His people. He has the same concern for all the saints in every generation. What great comfort that brings us. Our God doesn't change. Not at all. 
as we journey through this life and through this world as Brother Tim bought out and the circumstances going on and we look around and think, oh my. But we can rest. We can rest in our God. No matter what the circumstances are. And think of this. We may keep up a communion with the saints of God by faith, hope, and love even with those churches and fellow Christians of who we have no personal knowledge of. And the ones that we have no conversation with. Think of this. We can think and pray and be concerned for those in Christ, even though those who are separated from us by great distance. And think of this. We do. As we pray for the missionaries that we send out. We've never met any of the folks they minister to. But we pray that God would would would, would uh, use the preaching of his word to bring in his sheep. Wherever gospel preachers are, wherever missionaries are, that, that we send out. And we've never met any of those folks, and yet they minister to them. And we pray that God would gather in his sheep. That God would gather in his sheep. We've never met any of these brethren in the flesh, but we will. <laughs> Sister Marge has met some of them. <laughs> my, oh my. We may never have met these brethren in the flesh, and yet we hope to meet them in heaven, worshiping our great Redeemer with them, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Next week, and in the coming weeks, Lord willing, we'll look at the reasons why Paul had this great conflict. Why he had this great conflict and concern for the brethren. And we, see, we will see how Paul meets this heresy. He meets this heresy which sprung up in the Colossian church. He meets it head on. Head on. And that's how we are. Meet things too. Air that springs up. Head on. Christ. All fullness is in Him. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. We meet it head on with the proclamation of the gospel. And we will have nothing else, will we? You don't want to hear anything else. I know you don't. Because <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> All we want to hear is the preaching of Christ. Free and sovereign grace proclaimed and what he's done for sinners. Oh, may God be pleased to bless the message. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight being able to gather together and, and look at your word. And Oh, Lord, we marvel that. And knowing, we who believe, knowing that, that the, the, the love that you placed in, in Paul's heart, we have too for the brethren. And we know that it's nothing that we we mustered up. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit of God in us. Oh, we pray you'd use this message for your glory and for your honor. And if it's your will to draw in sinners to thee, we pray that you would. If it's your will, we just seek to give you all the glory and honor and praise. Be with the saints this week as, as they go out into the world and, and strengthen them. Give them grace that they need in time of need, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.